Welcome to HackerCast, an end-to-end AI-generated podcast summary of Hacker News. I'm your host, GPT-4. HackerCast is available on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts as well as our website, camrobjones.com hackercast. Today is October 6, 2023. Let's get started. Part 1. Favorites. 1. Draggable Objects from RedBlobGames.com The article from Red Blob Games, written on January 4, 2023, provides an in-depth guide on creating interactive pages with draggable objects. The author discusses the challenges of creating draggable objects, such as handling multiple mouse buttons, touch events, and events going to multiple destinations. The author explains the use of different event handlers like mouse down, mouse up, mouse move, touch start, touch end, and touch move to handle mouse and touch events. The article also covers the use of pointer events to simplify mouse and touch handling. The author further discusses the different behaviors of pointer events across various browsers and operating systems, and provides workarounds for issues related to long press on Android, right mouse button down, text selection, inter-application drag and drop, and simultaneous dragging. The article also provides an example of a draggable component in Vue v3. The author concludes by providing their contact information and a list of endnotes, which include links to various resources related to web development. 2. Nominal, a tool for drawing UML diagrams from Nominal.com. Nominal is a tool for creating UML, unified modeling language, diagrams with a unique twist, it's based on syntax. Developed by Daniel Callan and hosted on GitHub, this tool provides instant feedback and customizable styling making it a versatile choice for those in need of diagramming software. The tool supports a wide range of association types, from simple associations to dependencies, generalizations, implementations, compositions, aggregations, and even ball and socket associations. It also supports a variety of class diagram types, component diagram types, flow chart types, use case types, and miscellaneous types. In addition to these, Nominal allows for comments and directives, which can be used to import files, adjust arrow size, bend size, direction, gutter, edge margin, gravity, edges, background, fill, font, font size, leading, line width, padding, spacing, stroke, title, zoom, acycliser, and ranker. The tool also supports custom classifier styles, with a directive that starts with defining a classifier style. The style is written as a space-separated list of modifiers and key-slash-value pairs. Nominal also offers an interactive canvas that can be panned and zoomed by dragging and scrolling in the right-hand third of the canvas. The editor supports a subset of sublime text key mappings. The tool provides several examples of usage, from simple associations like car has an engine to more complex diagrams involving multiple components and attributes. In essence, Nominal is a comprehensive, syntax-based tool for creating UML diagrams, offering a wide range of features and customization options. The significance of Nominal lies in its unique approach to UML diagramming. By basing the tool on syntax, it provides a more intuitive and flexible way to create diagrams, making it a valuable resource for developers, project managers, and anyone else who regularly works with UML diagrams. 3. Burning money on paid ads for a dev tool, what we've learned from posthog.com. The article Burning Money on Paid Ads for a Dev Tool, What We've Learned by Charles Cook on Posthog's blog, discusses the company's experiences with paid advertising since 2020, specifically for engineers. Cook explains that paid ads, which consume about 10% of Posthog's marketing team's time, can have two objectives, conversion or awareness. He dispels the myth that paid ads don't work on developers and provides tips for using different platforms like Google Search, Twitter, 
LinkedIn, Reddit, and Quora. Cook also shares plans to experiment with G2 and Stack Overflow and advises startups to try different channels. The text also includes a list of links from PostHog's website, categorized under Handbook and Company, providing a comprehensive overview of the company's operations, strategies, team structure, and more. The final list of links offers information about the company's system status, security measures, privacy policy, terms of service, blog posts, customer inquiries, guides, templates, newsletters, merchandise, product offerings, pricing, documentation, community engagement, and company information. 4. Exploiting the iPhone 4 from Axelos.com The article Exploiting the iPhone 4, Part 1, Gaining Entry by Philip Tennant on Axelos.com details the author's journey of creating an iOS 4 jailbreak for the iPhone 4. Kenan, an experienced iOS tweak developer, begins by acquiring older iPhone models and attempting to exploit them using a toolchain. He then explores a boot ROM vulnerability, explaining the chain of trust in the iOS boot process and the Limera 1N exploit. The author also discusses how to read data from a DFU mode device, using Pod 2G secure ROM dumper as a reference. The article further delves into the process of writing a payload for an iPhone 4, the challenges of writing software directly in assembly, and the use of Rust to write a payload. Kenan also explains the challenges of writing shellcode in a higher-level language and the process of extracting the contents of the underscore text comma underscore text section. The article concludes by describing the pipeline used to execute the payload and read data from the device. The author hints at a follow-up piece titled Part 2, Bypassing the Boot Chain. 5. Risk v Assembly Tabletop Board Game, Hack Your Opponent, from punkx.org. The article project, Overflow on punkx.org describes a Risk v Assembly board game designed to teach children about buffer overflows and program manipulation. The game involves creating a small shellcode in memory and exploiting a buffer overflow to overwrite an opponent's return address. The game is played by two players who share the same memory and execute the same program, with each player's turn involving executing 10 instructions. The game rules, instructions, and strategies are detailed in the article. The author also mentions similar projects aimed at teaching assembly, coding, and Unix commands. The article also explains the project logo design and thanks those who contributed to the game's development. The author encourages readers to contact them with ideas or feedback and provides a list of risk v assembly guides and exercises. The article also includes links to PDF files and images related to array and recursion, likely related to a game or programming language assembly. 6. Learn and Test Mark from LearnMark.com The website Learn and Test Mark by URIPorts.com is an interactive tool designed to help users understand and test the functionality of Mark, SPF, and DKIM, three key mechanisms in email security. The site offers a console where users can send an email to a Mark tester, which then analyzes the setup and visualizes how an email server validates these security protocols. The site also provides a quiz to test users' knowledge of Mark offering detailed explanations for each correct answer. Additionally, users can paste their email header slash source to get a visual explanation of how SPF, DKIM, and MARC perform. The site also provides a scorecard for tracking progress and understanding MARC. In essence, the website is a practical learning tool for those interested in email security, offering hands-on experience with MARC, SPF, and DKIM. It's a valuable resource for anyone looking to enhance their understanding of these mechanisms, whether they're a seasoned IT professional or a curious novice. This site underscores the importance of understanding and implementing email security protocols, given the increasing prevalence of cyber threats. It also highlights the value of interactive learning tools in grasping complex technical concepts. 7. Hey, 
Computer, make me a font from Sertse.me. Sergei Selavalnikov, a machine learning enthusiast, shares his journey of teaching a computer to create fonts using generative machine learning models. His project, named Fontogen, takes a font description as input and produces a font file as output. The fonts generated by the model include a capital-only set of glyphs. Selavalnikov's interest in AI led him to explore text-to-SVG generation, a task he found more challenging than raster-based text-to-image generation. He was inspired by the Icon Shop paper, which achieved impressive results in SVG generation. This led him to realize that the process of generating fonts could be similar to generating SVGs. The model architecture is a sequence-to-sequence model trained on sequences that consist of text embeddings followed by font embeddings. Text embeddings are produced using a pre-trained BERT encoder model, while font embeddings are produced by converting fonts to a sequence of tokens. The model is an autoregressive encoder-only transformer consisting of 16 layers and 8 blocks, with a total of 73.7 million parameters. Training the model involved assembling a dataset of 71k distinct fonts. The model was trained for 50 epochs, which took 127 hours. Selavalnikov also shares his strategies for improving training performance, including pre-processing as much data as possible and migrating the code to SFORMERS for a boost in speed and memory usage. In conclusion, Selavalnikov sees potential for further exploration and application of his model, such as integrating it into existing font editors to assist font designers. He invites feedback and suggestions for improvement. This project is a testament to the potential of machine learning in creative fields. It demonstrates how AI can be used to automate and enhance design processes, opening up new possibilities for innovation and efficiency. 8. Weird AI Yankovic, a curse deep dive into the world of voice cloning from Waxy.org. The article on Waxy.org, written by Andy Bio, explores the use of artificial intelligence, AI, to clone voices, specifically focusing on the voice of Weird Al Yankovic. Bio experiments with AI voice models to create alternate versions of popular songs, such as Michael Jackson covering Weird Al's Eat It. He also discusses the AI cover songs community, centered around a Discord server called AI Hub, which was later banned for copyright complaints. The AI voice models are usually found on Hugging Face, a prominent AI startup. The article also touches on the ethical and legal implications of using AI in this way, citing different artists' reactions and the case of pseudonymous producers who use the names and voices of well-known artists without their consent. 9. Publishing my first game using Pico8 from Boiter.org. Ben E.C. Boiter, a seasoned developer, shares his experience of creating his first game using Pico8, a fantasy console for making, sharing, and playing tiny games and other computer programs. Boiter, who had always wanted to create games, decided to limit his scope to a simple rock-slash-paper-slash-scissors premise and committed to shipping it as soon as it was good enough. He chose Pico 8 as the engine because he works better with constraints and the limited size and capabilities of Pico 8 would prevent him from attempting perfection. The game, which he finished and published a few days ago, is called Wizard Duel and can be played or downloaded from itch.io. The premise is simple, pick your spell and cast it, with the enemy doing the same. Each spell has strengths and weaknesses, making it a rock-slash-paper-slash-scissors game. Boyder also discovered the power of first-class functions in Lua, which made assigning different draw-slash-update functions really easy and allowed him to create screen transitions, something he had struggled with previously. Boyder admits that he's not entirely happy with everything about the game, but he's very pleased that he finished and shipped it. He's also impressed with Pico 8 and how easy it is to work with, and he's already toying with new game ideas. In essence, Boyder's journey underscores the importance of setting achievable goals, embracing constraints, and learning from the process. 
His experience also highlights the potential of Pico 8 as a tool for game development, especially for those who thrive under limitations. Part 2, Show HN. 1. Pixel 8 Pro from store.google.com. The article provides a comprehensive overview of Google's Pixel 8 Pro smartphone, detailing its features, specifications, and additional services offered by Google. The Pixel 8 Pro is powered by the Google Tensor G3 chip, has a 6.7 inches SuperActua display, a 24 plus hour battery, and a four camera system. It also offers advanced editing features and everyday help with Google AI. The phone comes with seven years of security updates and a built-in VPN by Google One. Unique features include the ability to take temperature readings of objects and compatibility with Galaxy and Garmin watches. The article also mentions Google's trade-in program and provides detailed specifications for other Pixel models. The Pixel 8 Pro and other models' battery life and charging capabilities are also discussed. The article concludes with various offers and conditions related to the purchase and trade-in of eligible devices. 2. Libre PCB from LibrepB.org. Libre PCB is a free, cross-platform electronic design automation suite designed to simplify the process of drawing schematics and designing printed circuit boards. It's aimed at a wide range of users, from makers and students to professionals, and it's designed to be easy to use, with no unnecessary complexity. The software is developed with portability in mind, making it compatible with virtually any computer, including Windows, Linux, and Mac OS. It's also available in 16 different languages. Libre PCB's user interface is simple and intuitive, allowing users to get started quickly without the need to study extensive documentation. One of the standout features of Libre PCB is its smart library concept. Unlike other ADA tools that simply provide a collection of graphics for symbols and footprints, Libre PCB's libraries are organized in a meaningful, semantic manner, making library management more enjoyable and eliminating many common problems. Libre PCB also boasts a clean file format. All files created by the software are human-readable, canonical, and conceived very carefully, making it easy to use version control systems on libraries and projects without struggling with unintended or obfuscated diffs. The software also offers simple task automation with LibrepB CLI, making it easy to improve quality assurance by running important checks and data exports in an automated, headless way, such as within a C pipeline. Libre PCB is open source, with its source code published on GitHub under the GPL v3 license. In essence, Libre PCB is a powerful tool for anyone involved in electronics design, offering a range of features designed to make the process simpler, more efficient, and more enjoyable. Its open source nature and cross-platform compatibility make it a versatile choice for users of all levels of expertise. 3. Only Office, free open source office suite with business productivity tools from github.com. The text provides an overview of OnlyOffice Community Server, an open-source office suite that offers a range of business productivity tools including document and project management, CRM, and a mail aggregator. The software is licensed under the Apache 2.0 license and is hosted on GitHub. It offers cross-platform solutions, integration with various cloud storage services, customizable CRM, project management tools, and supports over 20 languages. The community server is part of the online office workspace, which also includes document server, mail server, and talk, an instant messaging app. Users can modify the source code and create their own modules. The project has received significant engagement on GitHub, with 2.4k stars and 577 forks. The latest release is version 12.5.2. For support, users can visit the official forum or ask questions on Stack Overflow. 4. Open Status open source monitoring with incident managements from openstatus.dev. 
Open, Status is an open-source synthetic monitoring service with incident management capabilities. It allows users to add custom headers to requests, run checks on demand, and set automatic checks based on region and frequency. The service has already seen substantial use, with over 5 million total pings, 3.6k pings in the last 10 minutes, and over 700 active monitors. Open, Status also offers incident management features, alerting users when an endpoint fails and providing updates on incidents. It's designed to be fast, enabling users to respond to incidents more quickly than ever. The service is trusted by several companies, including Hanko, Documento, and Trigger.dev. Users can create custom status pages with their own subdomain, custom domain, and OG images. Open Status also supports integrations to automate workflows. The service offers three tiers of pricing a free hobby tier with basic features, a pro tier at €29 Euros per month with expanded features and team support, and an enterprise tier with dedicated support and customizable features. In essence, Open Status is a comprehensive, open-source solution for monitoring and incident management, offering a range of features to suit different needs and budgets. Its open-source nature and flexible pricing make it accessible to a wide range of users, from hobbyists to large enterprises. 5. An app to create asynchronous micro-podcasts from RhodesAudio.com. The website in question is an introduction to Rhodes, an innovative audio app that aims to revolutionize the way we communicate and share ideas. The app allows users to record, comment, and share their voice, fostering dynamic conversations that can evolve over time. Rhodes offers a unique approach to audio communication. While listening to an episode, users can add audio comments that branch off the main recording, creating a more interactive and dynamic conversation. Users are notified when a comment is made, allowing them to respond and keep the conversation going. Importantly, the app gives users control over who can access their recordings through channels, ensuring privacy and control over the conversation. The app is versatile, with potential uses ranging from recording personal voice notes, chatting asynchronously with friends, creating a virtual book club, recording lectures and answering questions, sharing weekly updates with a team, or even co-creating podcasts. The website also provides a FAQ section, addressing key questions about creating episodes, joining channels, listening to comments, and the maximum length for an episode or comment. It also mentions that while the initial version of the app won't support editing audio comments, users can delete any comment or episode they create. Rhodes is expected to launch for iOS and Android in June 2023, with a web version to be released later. The app will always have a free version with all core features, but premium features will be available for a small fee. In essence, Rhodes is a promising tool that could reshape the way we engage in audio conversations, offering a more interactive, controlled, and versatile platform for sharing ideas and stories. This app's significance lies in its potential to transform audio communication, making it more dynamic and interactive. It could be particularly useful for remote teams, educators, podcasters, or anyone seeking a more engaging way to connect and converse with others. Part 3. Code. 1. What every software developer must know about Unicode in 2023 from Tonsky.me. The article by Nikita Prokopov, published on Tonsky.me, discusses the importance of understanding Unicode for software developers. The author explains that Unicode is a standard that assigns unique numbers to different characters, making all human languages compatible with computers. The article also explains the concept of private use, UTF-8 encoding, and extended grapheme clusters. The author emphasizes the importance of using a proper Unicode library and staying updated with the latest version of Unicode. The article also discusses the complexities of Unicode normalization and locale dependence. 
the author concludes by discussing the use of UTF-16 and its shortcomings, and the importance of Unicode in the global digital landscape. 2. An interactive intro to CRDTs from jakelazaroff.com The article An Interactive Intro to CRDTs by Jake Lazaroff provides a comprehensive understanding of conflict-free replicated data types, CRDTs. The author explains how CRDTs, data structures that can be updated instantly on different computers, are ideal for building collaborative apps. The article details two types of CRDTs, state-based and operation-based, and explains the specific interface of a CRDT. Lazaroff introduces the Last Right Wins Register, LWW Register, and Last Right Wins Map, LWW Map, types of CRDTs, providing JavaScript code samples and detailed explanations of their functions. The author also discusses the implementation of common map methods and points out a drawback of CRDTs, they can only add information, not remove it. The article concludes with the full code for the LWW map and encourages readers to subscribe for future posts. 3. Python 3.12 from python.org The article announces the release of Python 3.12.0, the latest major version of the Python programming language, on October 2, 2023. This version includes new features such as flexible f-string parsing, a new debugging-slash-profiling API, support for isolated subinterpreters, and improved error messages. It also includes several deprecations and an estimated 5% overall performance improvement. The article provides links to additional resources, including online documentation, the Python 3.12 release schedule, and a bug reporting link. It concludes with a poem and a table of download links for different operating systems. The article also details the various resources and sections available on the Python website, including about, downloads, documentation, community, success stories, news, events, and contributing. Each section has several subsections providing more specific information or resources. The text ends with links to contact, diversity initiatives, website bug submission, and legal information. 4. Where does my computer get the time from? From dotat.at. Penned by Tony Finch, this blog post is a low-resolution, blogified version of a lightning talk he gave at a ripe meeting in Rotterdam. The talk, intriguingly titled Where Does My Computer Get the Time From? delves into the mechanisms behind how computers keep track of time. Finch begins by explaining that computers get their time from a built-in clock, known as the real-time clock, RTC. This clock, powered by a small battery, keeps ticking even when the computer is powered off. Upon booting up, the operating system reads the time from the RTC and then counts the passing seconds using a timer interrupt. However, Finch notes, this system is not perfect. The RTC can drift due to temperature changes, and the timer interrupt can be inaccurate due to various factors such as CPU speed. To correct these inaccuracies, computers use Network Time Protocol, NTP, servers. These servers, connected to atomic clocks, provide highly accurate time. The computer periodically synchronizes its clock with the NTP server to ensure accurate timekeeping. Finch also mentions that modern computers use a more sophisticated system called Precision Time Protocol, PTP, which can provide nanosecond accuracy. However, PTP requires specialized hardware and is typically used in high-frequency trading and telecommunications. In conclusion, Finch's blog post is a fascinating exploration of the complex systems that ensure our computers always know what time it is. It's a reminder of the intricate, often overlooked mechanisms that underpin our digital lives. This piece is significant as it sheds light on a fundamental yet often overlooked aspect of computing. Understanding how computers keep time is crucial, especially in fields where precision is paramount, such as high-frequency trading and telecommunications.
5. SkinGo is a Golang library for accessing SQLite databases in PureGo from GitHub.com. The article is about the SkinGo GitHub repository by user Kales Mayer. It is a Golang SQLite library that operates without Go, instead using Skin as a child process for SQLite work. The repository includes a guide on how to use SkinGo, as well as discussions on its pros and cons. Advantages include not needing GCC on development machines, faster build speed, and smaller binary size than Co. Disadvantages include no built-in connection pooling, not being a Golang database slash SQL driver, and only covering a subset of SQLite C APIs. Performance tests show it has comparable performance to Go solutions, depending on the use case. The repository also includes automated unit tests and a changelog of updates. The software is free and unencumbered, released into the public domain. 6. Shuttle, build and ship backends without writing infrastructure files from github.com. The text provides an overview of the Shuttle project hosted on GitHub under the organization Shuttle HQ. The repository, which has been starred 4.2k times and forked 183 times, allows users to build and ship backends without writing any infrastructure files. It has several sections including code, issues, pull requests, discussions, actions, security, and insights. The repository has seen a series of updates and commits, with the latest commit being made on October 5, 2023. The updates span several months in 2023 and cover various aspects of the project, including auth, common, builder, cargo shuttle, codigan, common tests, deployer, and E2E. The updates range from version updates to feature additions and fixes, indicating ongoing development and maintenance of the shuttle project. Part 4. Data. 1. Fine. I'll run a regression analysis but it won't make you happy from natasilver.net. The article by Nate Silver on natasilver.net titled Fine, I'll run a regression analysis. But it won't make you happy discusses the correlation between state partisanship, COVID vaccination rates, and COVID death rates. Silver refutes the argument that age is a significant factor in COVID death rates, stating that state partisanship and vaccination rates are more predictive. He uses regression analysis to support his claims, finding that states with higher Biden victory margins and higher vaccination rates have lower COVID death rates. The article also mentions a controversy sparked by Professor Martin Kulderf, who criticized Silver's claims as meaningless due to not adjusting for age. The footer section of the Substack website provides links to terms of service, collection notice, and a sign-up page. It also mentions the use of necessary, performance, and functionality cookies for site improvement and directs users to the privacy policy for more information. The site requires JavaScript for optimal browsing, and a link is provided for instructions on enabling JavaScript or unblocking scripts. 2. Graph Mining Library from GitHub.com The GitHub page for Google's Graph Mining project contains tools developed by the Google Graph Mining team, specifically in-memory clustering tools designed to solve data mining and machine learning problems. The repository includes shared memory parallel clustering algorithms that can scale to graphs with billions of edges, based on several research papers. The repository is organized into several directories and contains files such as .bazelark, .gitignore, build.os, contributing.md, license, readme.md, and workspace.bazel. The project is licensed under the Apache 2.0 license and has a code of conduct and a security policy. It has 11 commits, 486 stars, and 15 forks. The repository primarily uses the C++ language. 3. Every database will become a vector database sooner or later from nextword.substack.com. Penned by John Huang, 
This article delves into the future of databases, arguing that the distinction between vector databases and other types will soon blur. Huang predicts that every database will eventually offer some form of vector search, including graph, relational, document, and key-value databases. This is due to the increasing demand for retrieval augmented generation, RAG, workloads, a key component in generative AI. Huang points out that the trend of vector DBification of databases is already underway, with major players like Cloudflare, MongoDB, Databricks, Oracle, and IBM introducing vector search capabilities. This move not only caters to the growing demand for vector search but also eliminates unnecessary data movement to separate vector databases, reducing latency and complexity. The author further suggests that incumbent databases will absorb the entire lifecycle of RAG workloads, including generating embeddings. This trend could lead to customers questioning the need for specialized vector databases, potentially slowing the growth of startup vector DB companies. In essence, Huang's article underscores the evolving landscape of databases, driven by the rise of generative AI and the need for efficient, integrated solutions. The convergence of database and AI technologies could redefine the way enterprises manage and utilize their data. 4. OpenAI's Justification for Why Training Data is Fair Use, Not Infringement, PDF, from USDO.gov. The provided text from the United States Patent and Trademark Office, USDO, website appears to be corrupted or improperly formatted, making it impossible to provide a meaningful summary. The content is unreadable, filled with symbols, numbers, and non-English characters, and does not form coherent sentences or convey any discernible information. It is suggested to check the source of the text for errors or provide a different text for summarization. 5. Beekeeper Studio SQL Editor 4.0, Import. Backup, Restore, and BigQuery from beekeeperstudio.io. Penned by Matthew Rathbone, this article announces the release of Beekeeper Studio 4.0, a significant update to the open-source SQL Editor and Database Manager. The update introduces a slew of new features, many of which were contributed by the community. The 4.0 version of Beekeeper Studio brings in a host of new features. The headline features include the ability to download full query results, import data into any table from a CSV, backup and restore databases using database-provided backup tools, add extensions to SQLite connections, and support for Google BigQuery. It also introduces multiple table filters, allowing users to filter multiple filters using either and or or. In addition to these, the update also includes a long list of other features and fixes. These include multi-row selection, full support for Apache Cassandra, Vim key bindings in the query editor, and several table view performance improvements for large datasets. The update also fixes several issues, including full screen mode with the client side title bar, bool editing in SQLite, and Postgres array editing problems. The significance of this update lies in its community-driven development. Many of the new features were contributed by part-time developers and community members, demonstrating the power of open-source collaboration. This update not only enhances the functionality of Beekeeper Studio but also underscores the potential of community-driven software development. Part 5. Design. 1. DAL E3 is now publicly available inside Bing from Bing.com. Microsoft Bing has introduced an image creator, a tool that generates AI images based on user-provided text. The tool is powered by DALL-Middle.E3, an AI program that creates images from textual descriptions. Users can earn boosts for faster image generation by using Microsoft Rewards points. However, the service may not be available in all regions and there may be occasional delays or issues with image generation. The image creator is a fascinating blend of AI and creativity, allowing users to generate unique images from simple text descriptions.
It's a testament to the advancements in AI technology and its potential in the creative field. However, the regional restrictions and potential for technical issues may limit its accessibility and reliability for some users. 2. Slovenia's beautiful beehives turn apiaries into art from atlasobscura.com. The article Slovenia's beautiful beehives turn apiaries into art on Atlas Obscura's Gastro Obscura section explores the unique tradition of beekeeping in Slovenia, where beehives are transformed into works of art. The article highlights the country's strong connection with beekeeping and introduces Peter Kosmas, a leading expert on bees who runs a honey farm in Pilstange. The article discusses the unique Albertis Nadurzik, Oz, hives, which are smaller, open from the back, and can be stacked together. The hives are often painted in bold primary hues and adorned with artistic panels, known as Panj's Konkness. The article also touches on the uncertain future of beekeeping and the efforts of the Beekeepers Association to educate and attract younger beekeepers. The article is part of Gastro Obscura's coverage of the world's most wondrous food and drink. The website also offers an email newsletter delivered twice a week. Part 6. Books. 1. Extracting Hacker News Book Recommendations with the ChatGPT API from blog.ram.dev The article on ram.dev blog titled Extracting Hacker News Book Recommendations with the ChatGPT API details the author's method of extracting book recommendations from the Hacker News platform using the ChatGPT API. The author presents a list of the top 50 book recommendations, including titles, authors, and URLs, and shares insights from the process of creating the list, such as the challenges of working with the API and the cost of processing the comments. The author also provides corrections to the list and shares the raw data produced by GPT and the input data in zip CSV format. The article could be useful for anyone interested in discovering new reading material or understanding the reading preferences of the hacker news community. 2. Dictionary of Algorithms and Data Structures from zlinux.nist.gov the Dictionary of Algorithms and Data Structures is a comprehensive online resource hosted by the Software and Systems Division, Information Technology Laboratory, NIST. It provides definitions and explanations of algorithms, algorithmic techniques, data structures, and related problems. The Dictionary, which began development in 1998, includes a wide range of topics from absolute performance guarantee to caverphone, and from Fibonacci heap to parametric searching. However, it does not currently include algorithms particular to business data processing, communications, operating systems or distributed algorithms, programming languages, AI, graphics, or numerical analysis. The website encourages users to contribute suggestions, corrections, or comments and provides a two-level index and a search box for easy navigation. 3. 1.3B WorldCat Scrape and Data Science Mini Competition from Anna'sBlog.org the article on Anna's blog discusses a project where the team scraped all of WorldCat, the world's largest library metadata collection, to create a list of books that need to be preserved by shadow libraries like Library Genesis and Anna's Archive. The team used WorldCat due to unsatisfactory results from ISBNB and the Open Library dataset. The data, comprising 1.3 billion unique IDs and 1.8 billion records, was stored in Anna's Archive containers, AAC. The blog also announces a data science mini-competition to analyze the dataset, with the best three submissions winning a year-long membership of Anna's Archive. The article provides a detailed breakdown of the metadata for Pride and Prejudice and Zombies and Little Women, discussing the various types of information available through different scraping methods and APIs, including the OCLC API. The text also provides detailed JSON metadata for the two books, mentioning two types of JSON metadata, title underscore JSON and brief records underscore JSON. The article concludes with a call for more programmers and offensive security researchers to help with future scraping projects. Part 7. 
Working. 1. Return to office is bullshit and everyone knows it from Sotok.blog. The article Return to Office is Bullshit and Everyone Knows It by Sotok on Dole Moments discusses the author's personal experience of quitting his job due to a forced relocation policy by his former employer, a large tech company. The author criticizes this policy as a misuse of power, predicting that companies enforcing such policies will lose their top talent and struggle to hire in the future. The article has sparked a lively discussion among readers, with many expressing support for Sotok's decision and sharing their own experiences with similar policies. The comments range from agreement with the author's sentiments, to suggestions for different approaches to the situation, to criticisms of the return-to-office mandate. The website uses Akismet to reduce spam and suggests installing a browser extension for privacy and security. 2. I applied to 250 jobs and timed how long each one took from careerfair.io. The article The Online Maze of Job Applications on careerfair.io investigates the factors that influence the time taken to complete online job applications. The author, Shikhar Sachdev, applied to 250 jobs and found that on average, it took just over two and a half minutes to apply. Factors such as company size, the applicant tracking system, ATS, used, and the industry affected the application time. Older ATS like Workday and Talio significantly increased application time. The author also found that industries like AI and crypto have shorter application times, while banks and consulting firms have longer times. Sachdev suggests that companies should ask for less information up front to speed up the application process. He also raises the issue of the burden of screening candidates falling on the applicants, suggesting it should be the recruiter's responsibility. 3. Never say no, but rarely say yes from longform.asmartbear.com. The article Never Say No, But Rarely Say Yes, by Jason Cohen, discusses the importance of maintaining focus in a startup environment. Cohen suggests that while it's crucial to say no to most things to maintain focus, there's a way to do it that allows you to say yes when it matters most. He shares personal experiences to illustrate his point, including his time at WP Engine where they strategically said yes to larger clients while maintaining their focus on the middle market. Cohen's principle is to set the conditions of yes such that if the client agrees, it benefits the business significantly. The article suggests a strategic approach to decision-making in a startup environment. The provided text also includes a footer with social media links and copyright information for Jason Cohen. 4. How I Stay Motivated as a Solo Creator from Herman.Bearblog.dev Penned by Herman, a solo creator, this blog post delves into the challenges and strategies of maintaining motivation when working alone. Herman's income is directly tied to his productivity, which in turn is influenced by his state of mind. Without the structure provided by traditional employment, he must navigate the nebulous and potentially dangerous territory of self-direction. Herman shares several strategies he employs to stay motivated. Firstly, he emphasizes the importance of engaging work. He evaluates potential projects by asking if he would want to spend years working on them, recommending the website 80,000 hours for those seeking meaningful work. Secondly, Herman builds routine into his day. He begins with coffee, a walk, gym, and journaling, followed by two work blocks separated by lunch. The first work block is dedicated to tackling the most challenging tasks, while the second block is for smaller tasks and checking emails. Thirdly, he is intentional with his downtime, avoiding distractions like social media and hacker news until the end of the workday. He also ensures he finishes work by 5 p.m. to spend time with loved ones and recharge for the next day. Fourthly, he engages with his professional community through Slack, meetups, and lunch dates with other creators. This provides a social outlet, a sounding board for ideas, and a sense of camaraderie. Finally, 
Herman writes about his experiences, which helps him understand his work better and share his journey with others. In essence, Herman's post is a testament to the power of self-direction, routine, and community in maintaining motivation as a solo creator. It offers valuable insights for anyone navigating the challenges of independent work, reminding us that while the path may be solitary, the journey need not be lonely. Part 8. Learn. 1. Pythagorean Theorem Found on Clay Tablet 1K Years Older Than Pythagoras from link.springer.com The article by Bruce Ratner on Springer Link explores the history of the Pythagorean Theorem, its association with Pythagoras, and the likelihood of its discovery by Babylonian mathematicians 1,000 years prior to Pythagoras. It also provides a brief biography of Pythagoras and his contributions to mathematics. The article discusses the ancient civilization of Babylonia and their understanding of the Pythagorean Theorem as evidenced by the Babylonian tablet YBC 7289. It also mentions the ancient Egyptians and their lack of evidence in using the theorem. The article highlights the significance of the theorem in the works of Albert Einstein and Euclid, with Einstein devising a new proof at age 12 and Euclid providing two different proofs. The article also discusses Fermat's last theorem, a generalized version of the Pythagorean theorem, and its proof by Andrew Wiles in 1993. The article concludes with a brief biography of Wiles and the significance of the Pythagorean theorem in the history of mathematics. 2. Higher dust makes up the majority of ocean microplastics from the drive.com. In an article penned by Lewin Day, we learn that tire dust, not exhaust emissions, is the primary source of ocean microplastics, according to recent studies. This research, shared by Yale Environment 360, reveals that the particles shed from tires and brakes contain a host of toxic chemicals, including a chemical called 6-PPD, which transforms into multiple other species, including 6-PPD quinone, when exposed to ozone. This chemical has been found to be highly toxic to several fish species and has been detected in human urine. The Pew Charitable Trust found that 78% of ocean microplastics come from synthetic tire rubber, which often ends up ingested by marine animals, causing neurological effects, behavioral changes, and abnormal growth. British firm Emissions Analytics found that a single car's four tires release one trillion ultrafine particles for every kilometer driven. These particles are so small they can pass directly through the lungs and into the blood, and even cross the body's blood-brain barrier. The transition to electric vehicles, EVs, won't solve this problem. In fact, EVs tend to shed about 20% more from their tires due to their higher weight and torque compared to traditional internal combustion engine-powered vehicles. Regulators are now scrambling to address this issue, with the EU planning to regulate tire and brake emissions from 2025 and the California EPA requiring tire manufacturers to find an alternative to 6PPD by 2024. In conclusion, the potential toxicity of tire and brake emissions for humans, animals, and the broader environment is a prime concern. This issue is expected to gain greater prominence in the coming years as regulators have more accurate data to act upon. The full impacts of our cars need to be understood to effectively reduce this form of pollution. 3. Things Every Hacker Once Knew from Cap.org The article Things Every Hacker Once Knew by Eric S. Raymond explores the evolution of technology and how certain knowledge, once common among hackers, has become obsolete. The author discusses the bit structure of ASCII, hardware terminals, RS-232 protocol, and modems. The article also delves into the history of computer memory, the evolution of programming languages, and early data transmission protocols. It discusses the peculiarities of character representation on early machines and the history of the C language. The author also explains the evolution of wide area networks, WANs, internet communication, and computer display technology. The article further explores the history of file transfer, 
software terminal emulators, and the early days of bitmap displays. The evolution of computer displays in games is also discussed, along with the history of ASCII. 4. Most demographers now predict that human population will plateau from Bloomberg.com. Unfortunately, the content of this article from Bloomberg is not accessible due to a robot check. As such, it's impossible to provide a summary or analysis of the article's content. 5. Open source could finally get the world's microscope speaking the same language from nature.com. The article, written by Michael Brooks and published on nature.com, discusses the challenges faced by biologists due to the lack of a universal standard for biological microscopy data. It highlights the work of Jason Swedlow, a cell biologist who has been working to standardize image formats for biological microscopy data. The article introduces the OMEZAIR project, a combination of the Open Microscopy Environment, OME, and ZAIR, aimed at creating a new standard for bioimaging data storage and sharing. The article also discusses the challenges of cloud storage for large data sets and the role of microscope manufacturers in the diversity of file formats. The article concludes by emphasizing the importance of biologists engaging with the issue to ensure microscope vendors output a common, agreed format from their instruments. The text also includes job postings and related articles from the website nature.com, focusing on advancements in microscopy and imaging technology. Part 9, Startup News 1. The FTC sues to break up Amazon over an economy-wide hidden tax from thebignewsletter.com. The article, written by Matt Stoller and published on the Big Newsletter website, discusses the Federal Trade Commission, FTC, and 17 states' antitrust lawsuit against Amazon. The lawsuit accuses Amazon of monopolization and unfair competition methods, particularly through a hidden tax incorporated into the price of products. The author suggests that Amazon subsidizes its prime business by billions of dollars annually, with consumers unknowingly paying for the free shipping. Amazon's actual customers are third-party businesses that rely on Amazon's infrastructure to reach the public. The company uses Prime to build barriers to entry, resulting in a monopoly share of online shoppers. Amazon also squeezes third-party sellers on price through fees, which have steadily increased over the years. The article also discusses Amazon's anti-discounting algorithm, which punishes sellers who offer their goods for lower prices elsewhere. The article mentions similar lawsuits filed by D.C. and California attorney generals and a class action suit in Washington state. The potential outcomes of the suit could range from ending anti-discounting measures to breaking up the firm. The article also discusses the increasing secrecy in antitrust courts and the redacted information in the Amazon complaint. A user comment criticizes Amazon's high prices and the quality of products available on the platform. 2. Every single one wheel is being recalled after four deaths from TheVerge.com. Penned by Umar Shakir, a tech writer with a penchant for electric vehicles, this article from The Verge reports on the recall of all one-wheel electric skateboards by Future Motion, in collaboration with the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission, CPSC. The recall, which affects 300,000 self-balancing vehicles in the U.S., follows four fatal crashes between 2019 and 2021. Notably, this comes a year after Future Motion resisted the CPSC's call for a recall, asserting that their products had no issues. The company is now urging owners to cease using their one-wheels until they take appropriate action. For newer models, a software update with a new warning system is the proposed solution. However, owners of the original one-wheel and one-wheel plus are advised to stop using and discard these models. The company has not disclosed how many of these original units are affected. The software update, which is rolling out globally, addresses malfunctions that occurred when the skateboards were pushed to certain limits. It introduces a haptic buzz feedback that alerts riders when the vehicle enters an error state, is low on battery, 
or is nearing its limits and needs to slow down. This update is the result of months of collaboration with the CPSC. For early adopters who dispose of their old models, Future Motion is offering a pro-rated credit of $100 towards the purchase of a new board. The company has also released a video highlighting the new haptic buzz feature and best practices for riding. In essence, this recall underscores the importance of safety in the rapidly evolving world of personal electric vehicles. It also serves as a reminder to manufacturers about the critical role of rigorous testing and timely response to safety concerns. 3. Vespa.i is spinning out of Yahoo as a separate company from blog.vespa.i. Penned by John Bratseth, the CEO of Vespa.i, the article announces the spin-off of Vespa.i from Yahoo into its own independent company. Vespa, which began as a project to address Yahoo's needs in search, recommendation, and ad serving, has since its open sourcing in 2017, grown into a preferred platform for applying AI to large data sets at serving time. Vespa has proven particularly useful for those working with large language models like chat GPT and vector databases, as well as enterprises with experience in search or recommender systems. The platform's AI-first approach and its ability to operate at scale have been key selling points. To address the challenges of running highly available stateful systems in production, Vespa created a centralized cloud service, which has significantly improved quality, stability, and security, while reducing the number of machines used by 90% and freeing up the time of up to 200 full-time employees. Despite the separation, Yahoo will retain a stake in Vespa and will remain one of its biggest customers. Vespa will continue to serve Yahoo's personalized content and search, and will leverage large language models to provide new personalized experiences. The creation of a separate Vespa company is aimed at bringing these advantages to the rest of the world on a massive scale, helping more companies solve problems involving AI and big data online, and accelerating the development of new features to empower Vespa users to create better solutions faster and at lower cost. In conclusion, the spin-off of Vespa from Yahoo signifies a strategic move to scale the platform's capabilities and reach, and to further its mission of empowering users to create online AI applications more efficiently and effectively. 4. Bandcamp has been sold to SongTrader. What does this mean for the musicians? From rocknerd.co.uk. The article Bandcamp has been sold to SongTrader. What does this mean for the musicians? Discusses the recent sale of Bandcamp to SongTrader, a music licensing company. The sale occurred after Epic Games, Bandcamp's previous owner, faced financial issues and sold off non-core businesses, including Bandcamp. The article suggests that Bandcamp's unionization in March 2023 may have contributed to this decision. The sale has raised concerns among musicians who rely on Bandcamp, despite SongTrader's assurances of providing licensing opportunities to Bandcamp artists. The article concludes with reader comments expressing fear and speculation about SongTrader's future plans. The website rocknerd.co.uk, where the article is published, also features tags, categories, quick links, recent comments, and past entries related to various music genres and platforms. The website's archives date back to January 2018 and it is powered by WordPress. Part 10. Fun. 1. Pico Calc, a fully functional clone of VisiCalc for the Pico 8 from Lexilofl.com. The article discusses Pico Calc, a fully functional clone of the 1979 spreadsheet application, VisiCalc. Created by a user named Christopher, PicoCalc is a high-precision spreadsheet application for the Pico 8, a platform for creating and sharing small games and programs. PicoCalc has several enhancements over VisiCalc, including higher precision, handling larger numbers, granular error reporting, multicolor cursor representation, and the ability to save and load work. 
The article also provides a link to a manual for PicoCalc and mentions that the application can be downloaded from itch.io. The article includes comments from other users, expressing gratitude and inspiration from PicoCalc. The text also mentions a conversation about tracking user engagement on itch.io and ends with links for users to log in, learn more about the site, and follow Lexalawful on social media. 2. Celebrity Flights from CelebrityFlight.com CelebrityFlight.com is a website that tracks and presents the environmental impact of private jet flights taken by celebrities. The site provides a detailed breakdown of the carbon emissions generated by the air travel of various high-profile individuals, from Elon Musk to Kim Kardashian. The site presents a comprehensive list of celebrities, their respective private jet registration numbers, the total miles they've flown in the last 12 months, the number of flights taken, and the total tons of CO2 emitted as a result. For instance, Elon Musk, with 364,000 miles by plane and 196 flights, has generated 1,024 tons of CO2 in the last 12 months. Kim Kardashian, on the other hand, has flown 490,000 miles with 170 flights, resulting in 1,080 tons of CO2 emissions. The website also provides information on the celebrities' recent flights, including the departure and arrival locations, flight duration, and the estimated CO2 emissions for each flight. For example, a recent flight by Jeff Bezos from Seattle to town of Greenville took approximately 2 hours and 58 minutes, generating an estimated 5.9 tons of CO2. In essence, CelebrityFlight.com offers a unique perspective on the environmental impact of luxury air travel, highlighting the significant carbon footprint associated with private jet flights. The significance of this website lies in its ability to bring awareness to the environmental consequences of luxury air travel. It underscores the stark contrast between the carbon footprint of celebrities and the average person, potentially prompting discussions about sustainable travel and the responsibility of high-profile individuals in mitigating climate change. 3. Dactilo, Turn Your Keyboard Into a Typewriter from GitHub.com The article discusses Dactilo, an open-source project developed by a GitHub user named Orhan. The project, which has received 545 stars and 10 forks, turns a keyboard into a typewriter and is licensed under Apache 2.0 and MIT licenses. The project is actively maintained, with the latest commit made on October 6, 2023. The repository contains several directories and provides various ways to clone or download the code. The project has seen numerous updates and changes from September 24, 2023, to October 6, 2023, including licensing, adding a CNAME record, integrating linting tools, updating gitignore file, adding a code of conduct, updating dependencies, deploying the website, allowing Zlib license, releasing new versions, adding a guide on how to add new presets, adding a typos config, and adding support for selecting the output device. The project also provides a detailed guide on how to get started, use, and configure Dactilo, including a list of different sound presets and options. The program supports Linux, Windows, and Mac OS platforms and can be installed from various sources depending on the platform. The article also mentions similar projects, acknowledges the original idea, provides links for supporting the author, and provides information on how to contribute to the project. That's all for today. Thanks for listening to HackerCast.